Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. All right. Welcome, everyone, to Conversations with Z and Vindesh. And Z, man, today we're talking about some real apocalyptic shit. We're talking about the yugs, and these are periods of time. Four yugs form a cycle. This is a feature of Vedic thought. And the idea is that we start in the Golden Age, and the Golden Age has virtue, and we progress from the Golden Age to different cycles, and we end up in the cycle of the least virtue, which is the Kali Yug. And that's where we are today. So the Kali Yuga has been going on for some time, but not only are we in the Kali Yuga, we are in the twilight of the Kali Yuga. And if you go back to prophecies made thousands of years ago, sages at the time talked about the twilight of the Kali Yuga and how up would be down, black would be white, common sense would completely disappear, the differences between genders uh, would would go away, so you couldn't even tell the difference between men and women. Statesmen would be jesters. You would have people who measured their self-worth based entirely on wealth. And success would come from deception. So at the time, as we were talking about, no one believed this. They said, God, this is so crazy. How could we ever get to this point? Certainly somewhere along the way, humanity would stand up and say, my God, we're headed in the wrong direction. Let's turn around. So we have people who are enriching themselves through deception. We're not going to tolerate this anymore. We're not going to listen. We have situations where jesters are statesmen. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, We have to get back on the right track. So people mocked, maybe not mocked, but they dismissed this prophecy. And lo and behold, here we are in the 21st century. And we're at a time where if you look around in our political state of affairs, You look around in our society, a lot of these prophecies have come to pass. There is such an incredible amount of dysfunction in our society, in the way that we treat the environment, in the lack of sustainability of our way of life, in the discourse that we have, the fact that people are incredibly tribal, sometimes feral, and you can't necessarily have a civilized discussion because everyone is speaking from the vantage point of the ego. There is no interest in getting at the truth. There's only an interest in propagating one's point of view and beating someone else over the head with your version of reality. So these are certainly apocalyptic times. And I think the whole question for us, Z, isn't about what we can do to change this. In fact, if you are a Vedic scholar and you believe in cycles and you believe that we've just hit this age, then in a sense, there's not that much you can do about it because we are in a period of decline. But maybe having a perspective about what goes on in today's world will allow us to respond to his challenges a little bit better. Maybe we don't get so caught up in the madness. Maybe we don't compare ourselves to others. Maybe we forge a better, perhaps a more intelligent path. And we can do things to, as we've talked about, opt out of all of the insanity, the convention that doesn't serve our best interests, and lead more healthy and more sustainable lives. Z, why don't we start this conversation and perhaps you could give us some perspective on where we are in the Kali Yug, uh, why we've ended up in this place, 
And from there, we can talk a little bit about, given this reality, how do we go about our day-to-day life? Well, Vin, I'd like to jump in with you on this and and give a a real brief um, statement on that. Is some of the beautiful things I learned from traveling um, was to look at the the traditions and record-keeping of different cultures around the world. And what I found for that from that was that there's a lot of com- there's a lot more commonality in all these ancient texts than there is differences and the differences are more recent ideas that we view each other as unique or different. And I found uh, the, the number of, of years and times that I spent in India uh, studying the yogic sciences and the Vedas and just immersing myself in a culture that's very similar to my uh, uh, my mother culture, uh, uh, the Congolese culture, Aboriginal culture of Africa, very similar. And then when you go to other places, you would see very similar writings and prophecies explored and explained in different ways. And they were uh, also embellished or adultered in different ways based on uh, the societal or cultural ideas. Some places altogether would ban a lot of the historic um, prophecies and books and written writings and sciences because they felt it was such a danger to the uh, powers that be it would disrupt their ability to control people so they would hide or destroy the text but uh, that being said the the commonality of the human family is such that you can try to hide it but it, it will always reveal itself somewhere and one of the beauties about all these old texts is not unlike when you use a farmer's almanac or a sailor's uh, weather calendar. There are patterns in the earth, there are patterns in the seasons that can tell you when's a good time to travel, when good time not, based on the collective experiences, uh, uh, the, the experiences of people who have come before you. The farmer knows when and what to plant. You can get a farmer's almanac and you know what will grow when based on celestial and solar cycles and things like that. You can predict the weather to a reasonable degree of certainty just by the notes that were left behind from the ancients. You can see uh, walk, hike through the wilderness and you'll see natural trails that were formed by uh, hikers years and years before you and maybe even many decades or centuries before you because that was the, 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 the most efficient route. So I say that just to start this out. So in the, this, this omens of the Kali Yuga is very powerful. And when I read it and I had uh, study groups with various swamis and, and sages, um, it, it was just shocking. Uh, what was most shocking is that it is so right on time, even though it was written thousands of years ago. Uh, I think in the Christian tradition, they have something called the Book of Revelations that describe the end time. And in the Vedas, they describe times in a cyclical way. So there's no such thing as an end time. Everything is the start and end of something which begins something else. And you also see that the Kali Yuga exists in the the time continuum as we know it, the the idea that formula of time is mass, space, and distance. So even an individual in their own lifetime could have a Kali Yuga, a series of four unique cycles or relatively equal cycles of time in their life where they go through different transitions. So getting back to the idea of the Kali Yuga and where we're at now, there were omens of the Kali Yuga that, as you said, at the time, 
they were so shocking that even the most loyal, noble, dedicated sages and scholars, when they heard this from the great sage Vyas, uh, my baby's namesake, is that they couldn't believe it because at any one point they'd ask, wouldn't humanity just pump the brakes and then say, let, let, we need to figure this out. It's like you're running off a cliff and you can see the signs ticking down, cliff one mile away, slow down, cliff half a mile away, uh, prepare to stop, cliff a quarter mile away, stop, don't go any further. Why would you floor, they, they, they were thinking that way, why would you keep going at this rate with these known signs that things aren't right? It's like you see the old Western movie when a guy, they're, they're traveling across the desert and they get to a place, a big sign says, bad water ahead. And there's all these dead cattle and skeletons sitting around a lake. And you say, man, I should take a drink. Nobody says bad water. There are skeletons uh, uh, sitting around and vultures hovering over your head. You might not want to drink that water. You might want to press on and move in there. But because we have this challenge as a species to let the ego, as you said, override everything, we just keep pushing forward. In our own personal colleagues, can you see when problems are coming up and what do you do to pump the brakes and turn away from that? So today I, I want to talk about it a little bit as it blends and ties into the Kali Yuga concept. So they said in the time of the Kali Yuga that people would be, and remember this was very shocking when people say, they said people would find, be rewarded and lionized for molest, openly molesting their mother. Well, that sounds horrible. Who would pay for a person to watch somebody molest their mother? Who, who could imagine that? Well, the mother is the earth and the planet. So you look at the things that people do, how we openly abuse the earth. And you can get rich abusing the earth. And no one will stop you because also in this time, your success, your worthiness as a human being, your access to justice will all be based on your wealth and nothing else. So people say, well, that's wrong. I can just buy my way. No, the problem is, is that without character, whatever you do isn't sustainable. Inevitably, it's destructive. So we, we no longer value people of good character. We value more their reputation based on what they've been able to, um, the wealth they've accumulated, no matter how they did it. Again, they weren't ag against wealth because these scholars, many of them were very wealthy, but they were wealthy from their service to humanity, from the dakshina, and from the rewards of their sacrifice. Warriors were always rewarded for what they lost during great battles, and they always modestly paid a tax on their rewards to prevent war. So the mentality was about sustainability, as, as the studies go. So they have other ones that they talk about when the, the distinction of men and women no longer existed. So this isn't an attack on people of different uh, uh, sexual leanings at all. It is an attack on people's defiance of nature, that you are what you are according to nature, and if I can no longer distinguish you, when we're no longer human, we're lizards, we're reptiles. So the lizards can 
they 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 are asexual or or they're whatever unisexual they 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 can reproduce without a partner so that's what they're talking about but it's not again a condemnation of the the troubled things that we're going through now uh, all the stuff that's coming up but it's really about us in a simple way not being able to say man and woman they talk about the lack of leadership the the statesmen will no longer be people that have sacrificed for the people who have given a lot to humanity, who have devoted themselves to the upward movement of humanity, and for that reason we respect them and revere them. They said in the in the Kali Yug, only people of theater and gestures of the court will be the statesmen for the common people. Now if you think about how scary that is, that a com- comedians and people of theater will guide and speak for the masses of people. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, a comedian is an artist. He's a comedian. He's a joker. He spends his time figuring out how to make you laugh, not how to be solve traumas of the world. What about people of theater? They're thespians. They're theatrical people. They need to, the crowds to cheer them on. They don't need to quietly save or uplift humanity. They need to have uh, prizes and rewards for their theatrical presentation, not for the depth of their character. Those are not people that would be the most fit to guide and lead masses of lost people. They said that in the Kali Yuga that half of the Earth's population, though they would walk and breathe, would be dead, would not have life in them. What is meant by that is that the level of sociopathy and psychopathy would be so prevalent that it would be normal. So just like you see these movies of the walking dead, the zombie apocalypse, it, it, it's really not as out there and horrific as you think. What they, so these, these ancients said that when you can look at the other people's suffering and you don't feel their suffering, if you could promote hardship, if you could see the only way that you could succeed is by others suffering if the only way you could win is by everyone losing, if you talk more about the suffering of others than about the abundance for all, you're a pretty sick person. That's considered a sociopath. If you imagine yourself to be divine, that's a psychopath. If you imagine yourself to be anointed by God to do whatever, that's a psychopath. That's, you're crazy. You're out of your damn mind. But because it is so common, it is now the norm. So as the Veda said, half the people be the walking dead. Uh, some years ago, a, a number of psychological researchers had done a survey and they had found that about 20 plus percent of the population were either sociopaths or psychopaths. 20%, one in five. And then the scary part of that is that another 20 plus percent of the people were sympathetic to the behavior of those people because it directly benefited them. So now you're up to over 40%. The Veda said 50%, half the people. But that's pretty damn close to half the population. Half the people you meet are either sociopaths or psychopaths. Now, as they're describing this in that era as it's written, many people doubted it could be that bad. As I said earlier, why didn't anybody pump the brakes? 
And that's what all the pundits and gurus and, and, and sages of the day were asking. At any one of these points, wouldn't the common person like start to pull back and say, this looks crazy? But remember, we've been sold an idea. We've been branded that this is good. This is what is good. The endless accumulation of more and more. The endless indulgence of materialism. The lack of reverence for those things that are sacred, such as love and caring. Um, it's just never enough. So once we have been sold that, then it's really hard to buy into something else. You can't see anymore. I sit here today on near the beach in California, and I think the pollution index was over 170 today, meaning that every minute you're out, you're smoking cigarettes. It's like smoking cigarettes all day, every day. You can stare at the sun and it not burn your eyes because the smoke has covered the skies. And people still argue about the effects of human beings on the climate. There are people still profiting from the suffering of many and the destruction of our planet. And there are most and far too many of us think it's okay. I was telling uh, Kayla Day or somebody talking to him, talking about this. There's a thing that they do in the cars. I work on cars. And there are these people that, in order to show their disdain for people who care about the environment, they do what they call coal rolling. They adjust their diesel engines to put out heavy, thick clouds of black smoke just to show their contempt for the air. It's bizarre. It's very bizarre. And no one could have thought it would get that bad. We also have, there is no right or wrong anymore. There's this idea in science there is the idea of the study of truth, right? And they found that it is almost impossible to, um, to say what is true anymore. So we can't talk about truth anymore. We have to now talk about measurable, indexable facts. Because the truth is basically a set of agreed upon ideas by a certain group of people. So there's no truth anymore. That's what they said. There's, truth doesn't exist anymore. Common sense completely died at the end of the last century. What we used to call common sense is now called extraordinary sensibilities. So if you look both ways before you cross the street, you're considered one of extremely high intelligence. That's all it takes. That's where the bar is. If you look both ways before you cross the street, you're considered one of extraordinary intelligence. This is where we're at right now. And as bleak as it sounds, there is still hope. For those of you and those of us who see the omens of the Kali Yuga, we see the storm cloud. You can look up and see the sun is blocked. Well, we know to go in the house and turn on your air filter. Minimize your exposure so you can have a new beginning tomorrow and try it again in order to slowly rung by rung, inch your way up and promote your own evolution and the development of your community. There are those of us who go shopping and we look at food. Uh, I was in the store the other day and there was a cabbage there and, and the cabbage never spoiled, it said. It's in one of these local stores. The cabbage, you know, the shelf life on the cabbage was two or three months. So well, I, I won't eat that. It's covered with some sort of wax 
It does. It never spoils. Um, well, that means it never digests. So those of us who live in a devotional way know not to consume that, because whatever it is that allows it to stay preserved, like a a, a, a dead body in an Egyptian tomb or sarcophagus. We know that that will affect our brain function, our ability to discern. We'll be drugged up. We'll be one of the walking dead. So we avoid that. We can call a spade a spade. Here's what it is. I appreciate everybody's um, personal life. I respect people and I give them plenty of room to live their life and hopefully they give me room to live my life. But I don't indulge in a lot of social madness. I don't indulge in trends. I don't follow influencers. I don't know what that means. I have no idea what does that mean. Influence me to do what? You you, you have enough time to sit on a computer all day and Twittergramming and tick-tocking, and I, I can't. I what did you do for humanity that would make me want to be you or hear what you have to say? So that's through devotional practices. Keep your head clear and your body sound and clean. Uh, it's also a time during these truly apocalyptic times. These See, this is the thing. We are in the apocalypse now. In California, the sunshine state, you can't see the sun. Right along with that, there is a pandemic going around that normally wouldn't hurt people because the general state of health of all people is the off, the the offshoot of gluttonous living, lack of reverence for your own well-being has produced so many comorbidities that you can't fight off a common flu anymore. We need to acknowledge that. So the flu is here like it's always been, but now we're different. We're so lost as a species in general. You have politics that everyone should avoid like the plague. You have a choice between Satan, the Elzebub, and Lucifer to guide you. And you expect to choose the one that will slow the demise over one who will accelerate the demise. Hate sells. They have merchants of hate your neighbor all over the TV shows. You have uh, different people that are calling for more uh, suffering, more suffering. And us, the average one of us, picks a side. Why would you want to be a part of this? You're listening to these people that, that want more suffering. You know, um, someone sent some sort of uh, one of these information things on Bookface or whatever about uh, 9-11. How come Black Lives Matter didn't rush into 9-11 and save everybody from the world trade? I'm like... What, what level of madness? We're talking about 20 years that the organization didn't exist. Some people weren't born. And you're, you're wondering why didn't they go save everybody at the Twin t This is the kind of madness that goes on in the Kali Yuga. The, the sheer craziness. So we have to pump the brakes. The, 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 the signs are right there. On the, on the highway to hell... There are all kinds of warnings, and we're at that point where you have to pump your brakes, stop, or go right on in. So for those of you who have devotional practice, you want to immerse yourself in devotional practices. Live a more sustainable life. 
They said that the, the bhakti yoga is the one thing that we have that will give us an opportunity through this era. Not just the physical age, but also the era that we are going through as a person. Try to remember people that set wonderful examples for you. People that gave you tools to live a better life. Remember those people. Read books and study um, the scholars that gave to humanity the breadcrumbs of knowledge that we need to get us back on our feet. Limit your interactions with the walking dead. If you find right away you hear somebody and they're spouting off something that is so ignorant, don't, don't try to change their mind. Don't, don't start arguing with them and try to educate them because it will simply, remember they're the walking dead, so it will simply suck the life force out of you. It's entropy, right? Uh, it, it's like putting something super cold next to something real hot. It will suck all the heat out and then go back to super cold. You don't want to do that. You don't want to be drained. So right away, you want to create that barrier between you and the craziness. Every day, every day I find that I'm wanting more and more to go home and hunker down in, in, in my compound because you will talk to people that just say the most bizarre things because they said that there will be no, people will have no brain. Not only are they walking dead, but they have no intelligence. And they're not necessarily bad people. Remember, they're different types of intelligence. What they're talking about is the Buddha consciousness, the ability to discern and discriminate. And then they'll have attacks of chitta vrita, which in yoga means mind junk. That just they're spouting out whatever words flow through their head. They see no correlation between cause and effect. They defy Einstein's uh, third law, right, of action. Uh, for every action, there's a there's a reaction. So they don't even like physics or anything. They don't under, They don't care. They, they they don't see cause and effect. Right? We're obsessed with materialism, which has brought no one anything. Look at the these people who are fighting and undermining society to enrich themselves even more. For what? Power of what? Power over who? Power over the walking dead? I don't know. What What do you want now? When is it enough? So an intelligent person with Buddha consciousness can accumulate um, abundance, but they also know when it's enough. And then if you spread that, you surround yourself with more abundance as opposed to hoarding it so there's nothing left. So let's say we make a fortune uh, burning up trees. Well, the trees are burned up. That's a good thing for my business. I burned up a lot of trees. But you know what? I don't have any anything to buy. Everybody's gone. The city's shut down. People are out of work. The other day they were bragging about they're really accelerating the vaccines. We're going to move forward with the vaccines and then the poor people who testing the vaccine uh, got some unique brain disease. Well, what did you think if you're uh, forcing this thing? There's no vaccine for stupid. There's no way to vaccinate stupid. So though the, the message I think here in our mission to mitigate human suffering, I know how all of this stuff can bother people, but it's all prophecy. And if you study these tales of the past, apply them to the future, people made it through then. 
But we have to hunker down. We have to develop new ideas about what a good life is. They were complaining that the movie theaters are going to be shut down because they couldn't make money even with blockbuster films because nobody's going outside. And it was like they, they, they announced it like it was a, some great revelation. Couldn't you see the, 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 the side markers on the road? Couldn't you see the signpost ahead? Nobody's outside. Why are you going to the movies? And when you do, you get sick. They had a big motorcycle rally, and now people are dropping dead a month later from some big motorcycle rally. So they wanted to prove that they hated uh, liberals or they hated the environment, so they all got together in a hate fest. People get together now because it's a hate fest, not because they enjoy what they're doing, but because it's a hate fest. So you defy one idea to promote another idea, but what, what's your own idea? Why, is it there, why does that need to be your reaction? Why do you need to have a hate fest to feel better about yourself? So for those of us who see this uh, train wreck, you just step back. This is a wonderful time to read, to study, to increase your knowledge. Uh, I've been doing a push-up and pull-up challenge where I do, you know, a thousand push-ups a day and 500 pull-ups a day, you know, just to keep myself fit until the air clears up. Caitlin's doing squats. She said she wants to get a uh, melanated boyfriend, so she has to do squats to develop the melanated magnet. I, I said I wanted to get a booty. Yeah, well, and I, just what I said, same thing. So, <laughs> you know, so a magnet for the brothers. There's a lot of things you can do that may seem odd and different, but it's actually the healthiest and normal thing to do. Conserve your resources, nurture, you know, nurture your environment. I started a sustainable garden some months ago, and we're eating food from that sustainable garden. And you think about, well, I, I want to go somewhere. Where, where do you want to go? Where, who, where do you want to go? The air in San Francisco is over a 300 parts per million index. That means it's nighttime all the time. Well, that's a great nightlife. How about just go and suck diesel smoke and because you can't stay at home. So we have to reject a lot of the the unhealthy norms that have been established over the last 20 years or so and get back to the basis. Get back to your sustainable gardening, gardening literally and metaphorically. What do I mean? You have a handful of people in your life no matter what age we live in that love you and care about you. Nurture that relationship. Here's a good time for whatever you're trying to do is to really invest in it. Caitlin wants to grow a booty, so she's doing her squats and doing all these kinds of things, you know, reading Essence magazine. She's doing all kinds of things. I'm doing my thing, trying to keep my old ass in shape, so I'm doing uh, push-ups and pull-ups. I'm revisiting some literature that I wanted to um, get caught up on. Uh, we're, we're putting together some nice uh, yoga programs for Dharma Media. There's so many wonderful things we're doing right now. So there are so many things we can do in this somewhat hermit space, in our hermitage right now. This is a good place to be for those that have a strong sense of devotion. We can really work on ourselves individually. We can nurture the relationships that are sustaining us, that are good for us, and we have an opportunity to practice energetic efficiency, energetic economics, energetic budgeting by not wasting a lot of your energy and time 
being caught up in the uh, zombie apocalypse, basically. When you're not using your energy to fight off zombies, you can become a PhD in many things. You can develop the scholarly abilities. You can become an, an Olympic level athlete. There's so many things you can do right now. So this is a time to hunker down, focus on devotion, actualize that devotion, reimagine, as they say, this term is used very loosely, a clear worldview. Pick up some book, read the Bhagavad Gita, the Mahabharata, read the Puranas and the, uh, the Srimad Bhagavatam, the commentaries on the Gita. Read anything, read the Buddha's life, read a uh, the God of small things. Read whatever you want to read. But just read. Advance your intellect. Grow your intelligence. Uh, get a subscription to Popular Science or something. Home gardening. Anything. But just stay away as much as you can from not only the environmental ravages that are going to affect us all, but the in environment of individuals who are caught up in this sickness. These people are sick and the cure is an autonomous cure. Everyone has to initiate their own cure. And if you lack the intelligence to do that or the compassion or the sincerity, there is nothing we can do for you. Nothing you can do for them but bleed. Stop the bleeding now. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, man, I follow you and I'm sitting here laughing my ass off just <laughs> listening to your description about what's going on because it it's incredibly true. It sounds ridiculous the way that you put it, the way that people think, the habits that we pick up, the lack of intelligence, the desire to make statements at the cost of our own health, our own lives, just so we can get up and spite someone else. It makes no sense whatsoever, but this is the age that we live in. And I think there I'll just give you a couple of reactions to what you've been saying. On the one hand, if you believe in the cycles and you believe in the Vedic texts, this is just part of of time, of evolution. In a sense, there's nothing that we can do to stop this train. And maybe we need to go so far in a certain direction to reverse. Often, if you look at uh, different problems in society, in business, in the environment, the disease becomes the cure because conditions get so bad and so unsustainable that you're forced to change something. The system reaches a breaking point, and perhaps that's just what we're going through. We're going through a period where everything is rapidly accelerating in a negative direction, whether it's the environment, whether it's the individual's consciousness whether it's our collective health, whether it's our political discourse. And what I find interesting is that the rate of dysfunction seems to be increasing. So a lot of these conditions have been around for a long time, but they've intensified so much in the last few years, it's almost like you can't ignore the evidence anymore. It's staring you in the face. So on the one hand, it becomes problematic because you think, oh my God, this ship is burning, it's sinking, I'm going down with it, what can I do about it? On the other hand, it's liberating. And I think for me, if I just look at this from a personal standpoint, it took me a long time to figure out that society is insane. To just come out and say that, Z, I didn't feel comfortable doing that because I'd been so indoctrinated with a certain way of thinking, which is it, you go back to your point about materialism and consumerism. 
I think about economic growth. Every economics course I took, every finance course I took, there's something called utility. And utility is basically how happy people are, how much satisfaction they get. And that utility measure is always related to either how much you consume or how much money you have. And it's just embedded. It's codified. There's no escaping it. So there's an entire generation. I mean, it's not even a generation. There are multiple generations of students who pick this up, and that influences their lives. It influences our policy, because then the policy from the Federal Reserve, for example, uh, the policy from Congress in terms of our laws, in terms of what types of trade-offs we're making, support this belief. And is it the right belief? I don't know. At certain times, it might be. I mean, maybe 200 years ago it was, when this country was just emerging, and we needed to expand quickly, and we needed to develop... I wasn't around. I, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't right then either, but possibly at, at a certain period of time, it made sense. But you look today, and it makes absolutely no sense. But for me, it was very hard to just come out and say, my God, this is insane. And I think that's been a lot of the conflict that I've gone through, which is I look around at society. I look at the way that people live. I look at people's health, the choices they make, the absolute inanity of life, when you think about the amount of time we spend wrapped up in our own head, our own drama, we can't put down the cell phone for more than five seconds, we're checking social media constantly, we're flipping through Netflix or whatever, we're not even paying attention to what we're looking at. It's just completely inane, you know, it's like there's no substance, there's no peace of mind, there's no connection to anything greater. But this is just what people did. And I think it took me personally a while to resolve that conflict between something very visceral, which rejected all this, and something maybe more intellectual, uh, which was I've been conditioned to live in a certain way, to follow what other people are doing, uh, to subscribe to certain ideas. And perhaps that's really the value of this time that we're in, because the cost of a lot of these ideas is staring us in the face. We can't escape it. Uh, The world is going down in flames. And I don't want to sound too apocalyptic. I'm not predicting Uh, that everything is going to completely collapse. But a lot of the fabric of our society is unraveling. And you see it in the climate change. You see it in the pandemic. uh, You see it in wealth disparities, which have been building for 35 years, which have reached a breaking point. You see it in race relations, which have also reached a breaking point. And hopefully there's some good resolution from all of this. I mean, hopefully we can elevate our consciousness and work through it. But some of this stuff, as you point out, Z, it just is. It's just what happens Maybe it's the prophecy, maybe it's the fact that the pendulum has to swing far enough in one direction before we can move in the other direction. I think your point about what we do about it is critical. So even if we can't stop this train, we can get off the train, we can choose a different train, we can just stand back and observe without getting emotionally involved. Basic things like conserving our energy, this whole idea of of forcing others to accept your point of view or arguing with people who have no interest in intelligent discussion, I've always found to be such a waste of time. And I used to see this in in a work context where you would have different people who had different ideas, and some people were just very counterproductive and they were difficult to work with, and everything you discussed, they would come up with some objection or complaint or some kind of trivial uh, reason why you can do what you wanted to do. And... I used to be the therapist in my office because people would come in and they'd complain about John or Fred or whoever. 
like, my God, can you believe what they said? I talked to him for an hour. And my response was always, why did he waste that hour? Why do you want to have discussions with lunatics? Why not conserve your energy, your peace of mind, go and do something better? And I started to see this more and more in my life in a variety of areas. Why do you want to go out? Uh, I can understand going out if you're meeting people that you care about, if you're doing projects that you're passionate about. But why go and sit in a theater in New York with 500 other people and you're crammed arm to arm and God forbid there's a fire, everyone's going to die. If not, you're probably going to get sick. And this was even before coronavirus. You're paying a lot of money to be there. Like this stuff just isn't enjoyable to me, but it's what I did for a period of time because of the indoctrination and the lack of, of thinking. And if I think about our discussion, that's probably the biggest piece of advice I would encourage our audience to absorb, which is make up your own mind. I mean, use this as an opportunity for a reset where you look around and there's so much evidence of dysfunction. Clearly, the standard story isn't working. The story we have been sold is a lie at some level. Maybe parts of it work, but collectively, it doesn't work. This lifestyle that we all chase is to our detriment. So with that, accept that, and now have the conviction and the courage to say, I'm going to do something else. I'm not going to hold myself to the same standard as everyone else. I'm not going to follow along. I'm going to take charge of my life. I'm going to examine the assumptions that I have that maybe I wasn't even aware of up until this point. But now that I am aware, I'm going to examine what I believe and figure out if it serves me or if it doesn't serve me. And if it doesn't, I can let it go. And I think if we can do that intelligently, that gives us some safe harbor. We carve out our own space in this world of total insanity. And maybe there's some benefit to all of this because maybe the craziness allows us to make better decisions, to have more clarity in terms of what our life should mean, how we want to live, how we want to interact with others. And if we can take that away, even in the midst of this complete chaos, I think we can live pretty successfully. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.